0: Better? Awesome. All right. We'll go ahead and get started today. We thought the mic was I know. <laughs> I know. As I've, I shared this last class um, that I got to teach last week, but I'll share it again. Um, mics are fun. You have to remember to turn them on and turn them off. And when I graduated out of graduate school, my first job was training. So I would fly in and teach Microsoft. And so I flew into Vegas, and I, you know, I would do all this stuff. I do eight-hour trainings. Long story short, my first opportunity with a mic, I was nervous. I was scared. I had eight hours of training. I was in a big casino, um, and so you know they do that on purpose. So you you teach in the casino, and then they get to gamble and eat. And, anyway. Long story short, we took a break. I had my mic on. I went to the bathroom, which went over the casino. And not only that, I gave myself a pep talk while I was in the bathroom, which was even a little worse. And I was like, it's okay, they look at you like you don't know what you're talking about. It's okay that the first lady in the first row looks mean. Oh my God. So by the time I walked back out and I was young, I was, I was... Straight out of grad school, I was in my—I was like 22, 23. Anyway, I came out, and you could just tell. I was like, I think we've shared a little too much today. Let's try to go back to what we were talking about. Anyway, but yes, that I have done that. Can we turn it down just a little bit? Too much? Not you, but I. It's already too much. Is that what you're saying? Is that better? Better? Awesome. Okay. There you go. So that is a true story. Thank you very much. So, all right. I started this last uh, class, but I definitely want to set us up for the next um, phase of what Jesus is doing in Luke 17, 18, and 19. And so if someone is able, uh, would you look up Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2? And then you'll do that. Thank you so much for me. And then if you will look up Luke 4, 18 and 19. All right, Michelle. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Okay.
0: So, we have in there what Jesus is called to do. And if you remember in Luke 4, he is at the temple and before he does anything really he makes some statements. Michelle, do you have that? Get in there? Okay. All right, does somebody else have it? All right, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Eight. Go ahead. fantastic there is a phraseology missing from those two if you didn't know and you haven't seen those two in parallel he quotes luke 4 18 and 19 however he's referring back to um or in luke he's quoting isaiah but there's a verse he's not saying what verse did he not say The day of the vengeance, very good. Which is what? The second coming, very good. So when he starts off his ministry, what's the first thing that he's talking about? In the temple, what's the first thing he's talking about in Luke? He's talking about his first coming. You got it. And as he moves toward Jerusalem, what have we started him seeing? What is he doing? He's talking about the second coming. I want you to understand that Luke has very systematically gone through and ordered things, but there are things that Jesus has done and said, but he hasn't done them at the same time. He's waited for this time period to really start prepping them for what's about to come. So to be able to cover this, I was going to go to the other board, but it's not there. Ooh, let's not do that. Um, anyway, I want to draw a timeline, which I think is very important for us to do. So we have the beginning, we have creation, and then we have the garden. A lot of people call this the fall of man. And then we have the law. Okay. And then over here we have who comes on the scene. Jesus. Very good. Jesus comes on the seat. Jesus is always the answer. Always. (laughs) Okay. And then we have the cross. And then we're going to have the ascension. Okay. And we call this time period in here what? The church age. Why? Now, God was very careful this week to put this on my heart, and I want to share this with you. Who's the church age for? The
2: Gentiles. It's
0: for us, right? It's for us. What is this age all for? Actually, it doesn't go back that far. We'll say here because Abraham's on the scene, so more in here. So this is the Jews, and this is the Gentiles. So. Yeah, do you mind? That'd be great. I can't get close to it. Um, so anyway, and then this is what's coming here. Tribulation. And who is tribulation for? Jews mainly, but there will be Gentiles involved. And we know that's half and half. And then what happens? This is far I'm going to get today. Second coming. All right. So God really put this on my heart today so that I want to let you all know, and so you're thinking in terms of when we're going through this. When is Luke writing? Beginning of the church age. Okay. Where are we in terms of this particular setting right now? In, here in, a in Luke. Where are we at? at we are right here. Okay. So we are at the ushering of a whole new age. And Jesus is working really hard to get them into that age. The Messiah has come and people aren't recognizing him. Okay. And he is setting up what's going to be the church age. And we come to Jesus under what? What is it? How are we saved? By grace. grace. Absolutely. By faith. By believing. Okay? So we are moving into the church age, and this is what's going on. How are they saved before? The law. law. By obedience to the law. So you have this, this coming in. You have, we're moving into this new age, and Jesus is walking to Jerusalem knowing these things are going to happen. And I want you to understand, all of this is where he's at right now. All of this right here. So if in your mind you're like, where, where are we in the timeline and that, I want you to understand, this is why it's really good to draw things out and say, okay, what is it we're really talking about? Did you have a question? No? Okay. All right. I always think it's I always think it's really good for me. Sometimes when I draw them out, I'm like, okay, where are we and why are we talking about this? Luke is writing to who? Theopolis. Theopolis, very good. And why is he writing to Theopolis? To give right to give order, but also for what? The whole truth. And why is Luke telling him the whole truth? So he can pass it on to us. So he can pass it on to us. But what is Luke? Is Luke a witness? No. He's gathered what? Eyewitness testimony. So I want you to get this in your head that here we have at the beginning of the church age, these events that we're talking about are happening um, and moving forward towards the cross. Mind you, Jesus knows all of this, all of it. And he is moving towards the cross. And that's what you see when we are outside um, Jerusalem. We're walking through Jericho. He's making his way down. He knows exactly what he's supposed to do. And when we studied these scriptures and as we're moving towards the cross, what was Jesus' attitude? Was he fearful? What was he doing? What does it say? He went how towards Jerusalem? Purposefully determined. 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 Now, why that phraseology? Scripture doesn't happen by accident. Why that phraseology?
2: All the people wanted him to do it now.
0: Yeah. I am determined to go to the cross. I am determined. I am determined. I love that because it's also when we start talking about I've come to do the will of my Father. I've come, you know, um, and we get into this a lot in these next few pages that we're going to be looking into. What was his purpose? And he makes it very clear what his purpose was. Mm -hmm. And I want you to understand that this is not something, because in our day and age and the world, what do they say about Jesus? He was a good prophet. What else do they say about him? He's just a man. man. I believe he was a teacher. Mm -hmm. You'll hear that. But what is it that we know, because we're seeing it in scripture completely? This is God. And where is he headed? For what reason? All right. Now, here's the part. I set that all up for you to know this. If Jesus came to do salvation, if Jesus came because we needed him, why do we need a savior? What are we being saved from? Sin and? And? Big thing at the end. We are saved from the wrath of God. Isn't that good? And by the way, I always feel when I say wrath of God, it should be like, we are saved from the wrath of God. Anyway, I always feel that way when I teach. I'm like, the wrath of God. It's a very deep subject. So I want you to get this in your head because I want you to understand something. We're going to talk about it because Jesus, all through these scriptures, is very, very clear what he's trying to get to them repetitively. Why does he come to save us from that? What is our destiny from the day we're born? Hell. Why? Sin all man. Because of our sin nature. Now, here's the thing. So people get confused. Little babies don't really sin. So, what is it that he's talking about? So, you're not confused. What do you mean? Say that again. Little babies don't sin. So, what? When we say you have a sin nature, what are we talking oh, we're about? Under
2: the sin of Adam and Eve, Ooh. so we're under the man's sin nature, not the umbrella of Jesus.
0: Very good. I can tell you've been trained by Katie. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I love it. Anyway, so you're under this umbrella when you are born, whether you like it or not. You're born into this family. How do we move over to the different family? Right, faith. Faith. Belief. We are justified through Jesus, and because of that, what happens to us? We are safe from what? I want you to get that in your head and have that crystal clear what he came because here's the thing, it makes no sense to anybody if we start talking about how God is all full of love because why need a savior Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I am very, very aware and this is my calling and what I make a lot of people nervous about, but it's true. We have a tendency to stick right here in this age and talk about the grace of God, which I think is absolutely true, and everybody should know about the grace of God. But we do nobody any service if we do not also teach about the salvation that has come from the very beginning. And the salvation was for one reason and one reason only, and that was because we are in enmity with God the moment we are born. And that is what Jesus came to do, and that's why he's determined to go to the cross. Make sense? Yes. Are you excited? I get excited. I don't know about you, but I'm happy. All right. All right. So I wanted you to see that Jesus is talking about the first coming and second coming. Thanks for moving that speaker. Makes a big difference. All right. So I want to go back to Luke 17 and set you up from there for flow of thought. So let's go to Luke 17. Now, I know that uh, the next study is going to be We're moving into, at some point, we are going to have salvation, or salvation, of course, but uh, we are going to talk about uh, Daniel and Revelation. Katie is uh, going to be teaching those at some point again. So a lot of the stuff I just covered is covered in there, but I wanted for those of you who don't have that experience or don't have that information to kind of lay a foundation so you understand how this fits in terms of what Luke is talking about. Okay, so in Luke 17, we see all sorts of stuff going on. So what is happening in Luke 17? Tell me some things that are happening. I'm going to put it up here. I'm a stumbling block. Mm-hmm, stumbling blocks. How does Luke 17 start out? Don't be a stumbling block. All right, so don't be a stumbling block. Who's that to? Uh Uh-huh. Why? Okay, don't be a summer buck. We'll leave that there, okay? What else does he go on to teach? Forgiveness. Forgiveness, right? I agree. Okay, he's going through Jerusalem. He's passing through Samaria and Galilee. So he's on his way. He's walking through. He has not stopped along the way and said, good enough, here I sit. This will be me. He is not Jonah. Anyway, he's not a reluctant prophet. So here he is, he's walking. And in the meantime, as he's going towards to do what Jesus has called him to do, who keeps popping out at him? People. And what do the people want him to do? Save them and heal them. Yeah, isn't that the way it is? I am determined to do the will of God. Oh, come on, people. Do I have to heal you again? Again, do I have to keep doing this again? You know, there's part of me that just has to laugh because here he is determined to go this way. Here he goes. And in the meantime, all the while, he has people popping out at him and asking him to heal him. Does he heal them? Absolutely. Why? Faith. He has compassion on them. These are his, quote unquote, the neighbors. As I pointed out before um, in the class last week, I'll point it out again. I want you to understand, he told a parable about helping your neighbors. Anybody remember that parable? The good Samaritan. Who was the person in front of him that needed help? The Samaritan, a neighbor. And people passed by. Is Jesus passing people by? No. I want you to understand, he's taught it, now he's doing it. You're going to start seeing this over and over and over again, and there's a reason why. And we'll get into that in here a little bit. Okay, so in 17, At the very end um, of the first page, uh, verse 11, there's a wonderful healing. What healing happens? The lepers. So there are ten lepers, one, and what is the one? A Samaritan. And what does that one Samaritan do? Thank him. Now I want to point out something. Very good. You nailed it. Why is that important to know? So I'm just going to share this with you. Was the Samaritans the one who Jesus came for at that moment? No. The fact that he recognized who Jesus was is a contrast to who did not recognize him. I want you to get that. He does this on purpose so that people will recognize, yes. So the Samaritan, how is he personally? So he worships, and what else does he do? He He's very grateful. Yep. And does yeah, And he follows. So you see salvation and obedience. Oh, it's like we're setting ourselves up for something. Oh, I love it. Okay? Does that get you guys excited? It gets me excited. We haven't even got to the to ones we're going to talk about. I get excited. Okay. All right, and then we go on, and he starts talking about... The kingdom of God, all right? So let's talk about the kingdom of God. What is it that the kingdom of God, we found out in these scriptures? I'm going to just make a list.
2: He said it's not coming in, but he said be
0: observed. Yep, it's not observed. So this is really cool. What were they observing? Signs and wonders, but what else were they observing? What do Jews observe? Holidays, feast, rituals. He's saying it's not going to be like that. Okay, what else is it not going to be like? All right, I'll rephrase that. What is it going to be like when it comes? He gave you a couple of examples. It's going to be like, uh uh-huh, it's going to be like Noah. What happened to Noah? Destruction. Just so y'all know. That's the word. Right. All right, so Noah was saved, so there was, I'm going to label this a remnant, okay, and destruction. Awesome. Lot is a remnant in his family, minus his wife. And what happened with Lot's time? Destruction. And I pointed this out last week, but I want to point it out this week. Noah's was, and you'll see this, the giving and marrying in that, <clears throat> it's a very primitive culture. Right now if you go into and the people I work with in Syria that are in Lebanon and that there are and I can't even imagine it because it's so foreign to me but you know I've sat down with little girls who are 11 12 years old they can't read they can't write and they're saving them to be sold for marriage and the whole point of that is their economy that's what they do and it's grates on my nerves because I think it's so barbaric but I want you to understand he gives you two cultures here he gives you a primitive culture And then if you look to see what Lot's time period was doing and what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah, you see a more elevated culture, okay, with more going on, all right? So here comes the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Okay, and what's going to happen on that day? What did we study last time? Mm -hmm. What's going to happen? The people are going to get taken, why? Rapture? These particular verses, I'm pretty sure Katie went over you and here. It's not the rapture. What is it? It's acts of war. Mm -hmm. Acts of war. Some people are going to be taken. And these are the last, when we were talking about tribulation, this is where we're at. These are acts of war. Okay, what do
1: you mean acts of war?
0: Okay. I don't understand that. Sure. On that day, let the one who was on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them. And likewise, let the one who in the field not turn back. As and It seems so clear to me because, again, I work in war cultures. <clears throat> if you have ever listened to anybody talk about ISIS, they turned and fled. They did not stay to see what was going to happen because things were going. They came for destruction. They came to destroy. They were marching towards the city to take all. And I have a wonderful story of a young woman who uh, was in college and she heard the bombing. She ran out to help the wounded and a sound called that they were kidnapping the women to rape them. And so she took off for the hills. That's the sort of thing that happens when war happens, um, is you have people, some will be there and some will not. Some will flee. So you're having a major geography sort of shifting going on here. That's what this is talking about. So. As we're moving towards these time periods, yes. But let's rephrase that. This situation has happened because of God. Okay? I want you to understand that. Um, Yes. So this is not the rapture. This is all the things that are going on. These are the acts of war that are coming. And by the way, we are constantly at war. Who are we at war with? Satan. And we are constantly at war with this world. I want you to get that. So, again, when I read this, it's very simply, you know, I tell you that night there'll be two in bed, one will be taken and the other left. If you've heard the stories out of Syria and the stuff that happened, this is just, I mean, literally, it's textbook. I could—I literally know people that every one of these has happened. Okay?
1: So Lisa, in verse 30, when it says, on that day, the Son of Man is revealed, that's not the coming, it's just, what, people's eyes? Is that talking about, like, when everyone will recognize that?
0: so here's the thing this is a time period through the tribulation and the coming of God okay so I want you to understand this isn't just one event this is kind of the idea of a as I talked about before it's important to know that timeline we are in the tribulation period does the tribulation period at some point involve this coming of man yes it or the son of man yes it does yes Susan verse
1: 33 why is that right there
0: oh this is very good I love this. you are It's like you read my notes. I love it. All right. Why do you think, why do you think, why do you think it's there? I don't know. That's why I'm Does that seem very familiar to something that Jesus said? Yes. Why did Jesus come? Well, it comes
1: to verse 32, "Remember then
0: the last So this is the... Exactly. You're getting there. I love it. So let's talk about Lot's wife. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's going on in Sodom and Gomorrah at this time? Sin. Horrible things. Gang rape. Um there's sinning, there's greed. There's lust. Is there any recognition of righteousness? No righteousness. Okay, I just want to point this out. All right. So God comes and says to Lot, I'm going to destroy it. You're allowed. I'm going to save you. Now, she got to go. He came and said, "You can go. I'm going to save you." Why did she have to be saved? God's wrath. God's wrath. What was going to happen to the whole city? Destroy. Do you start seeing a pattern here? What's coming for us? Now, here's the thing I want you to know. I get really irate, and you're going to, I mean, I get really uppity real quick when somebody says to me, God is really loved. That's the God I serve. Well, that's awesome, but that's not the whole God. And that's what I get really, that's idolatry. You have just made God into something that he has not said that he just is. He is full of righteousness. And part of what is happening is if there's unrighteousness and he is righteous, he will judge it. That's what he has to do. So you have this thing going on. She has been accepted. She's been granted the gift of life. Here she is walking out of the city. It's burning. It's going. And what does she do? <laughs> Not just that longingly, scripture says. What did she long for? She it in, she liked it. It the world. Now, do you know why it's right here?
1: But it's in the midst of the war stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. So, here's the question I'm going to ask you there's going to come a time for everyone whether it's in this life or getting close to tribulation, depending on the time period you're in, when you are going to have to decide, am I in this world or am I am in the one to come? And that is the question that is posed right there. If you are seeking to save your earthly body, you're going to lose it. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I absolutely I understand because it's life and it's got birds eating your flesh later on it's the body life just so you know that's the flow of thought
1: well I hate to be you know nitpicky <laughs> go right ahead he's talking about he's saying run uh-huh. don't stop for anything run and that suggests save your life
0: okay now stop on just a second where are they running to remember who this group of people is who's running This is the act of wars that are coming at the end time. Who is running? Where are they running to? They're running to safety. They're running away. All right? There's going to be a group of people that stays in Jerusalem. There's going to be a group of people that stands up to whatever, and they're going to say, we will be like you. Do not hurt us.
2: Okay. So it's not saving
1: physical life in this verse. It's talking about world life.
0: I I believe wholeheartedly, like I just said, there's going to be a group of people that run because they are determined to run. There's a remnant that's alive, but there is destruction coming as well. In acts of war and stuff, people do really stupid things to save their life. They make deals with people that you should not make deals with because they believe it will grant them life. Jesus is saying, do not do that because it won't save you. There's only one Savior. Who is that? Very good. Make more sense? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you. I'll give you a personal story. I heard it's not my story. It's somebody else's. And and again, <clears throat> it's convicting as I'll get out. But it's one that I think is good for us to hear. A Syrian pastor. I, I happened to be in a teaching ses- session with him, and he was walking home after he'd gotten paid in Syria, and ISIS was there, standing in the roadway, and demanded all his wages. <sighs> this man makes headmade made. And remember, income is very different there. So a a very wealthy person would make $1,000 a month. So wages had been cut to $70 a month, basically. And again, this is translation. It's wartime. So they took it all. And they beat him up. They told him as a Christian, he was a dog. They did all this stuff to him. He walked all the way home, turned his keys to his loft, walked in, pulled everything out, and found what we would call a quarter. In his pocket. And he had told them he had given them everything. He walked out the door. He walked back to ISIS. And he handed him a quarter. And he said, I lied to you. I did not give you everything. The ISIS members were so overwhelmed by his conviction. They gave him back the money. And they protected him from then on out when he'd come down the road that's the obedience that Christ is getting at. Does that make sense? That's what he's talking about. So that's a real story. That's a real thing. Those are real people. But like I said, doesn't that convict you just a little bit on your Christianity? For me, it's like, I like to halfway obey. Anyway, but as soon as he said it, I just started crying. And the guy's like, you know, he said, I took a beating. I took that and I came back. And that's the sort of thing that you're going to see um, coming up in the next many years as we go to Christianity. There are a lot of people who call themselves Christians. They're just social club members. They're not involved. When it gets hard, they're going to run. They're going to flee. They're going to make deals with everyone. Well, I'm sort of a Christian, you know, and that's where we're not supposed to be. We are in this to the end. And if you're not, I'm going to convince you, you should be in it till the end. Okay. All right. How are we feeling? Everybody on the same page? Feeling like we're there? Awesome. Ready? Ready for me? Some of you will go home and be like, ooh, 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 anyway, today, because these are very convicting scriptures we're talking about, but they're very good. Every time I read them, I'm just so overwhelmed with the goodness of God. And you know, I am not good. He is, which makes it so lovely. I love scripture because from beginning to end, from from, you know, um, Genesis to Revelation, you see the plan of salvation, and you see it here beautifully in what Jesus is trying to do. And I just, I get so excited I can hardly stand it. So, all right, so I want to talk about Luke 18. Let's start there. What's the first thing that Luke says? Mm-hmm. For whose benefit? Mm-hmm. And what does he say? Yep, and what else should they do? Uh-huh. So this is really great. Remember, Scripture is about what it says and what it's not saying. So what's that kind of say towards us, what's going to be happening? There are going to be situations where we, and we lose heart. And he's, it's kind of like that James... Buck up. I've overcome the world. Awesome. I'm so excited. Anyway, pray don't lose heart. As you know, Jesus is still teaching. He's still the teacher. Okay? I love this widow. Tell me what she is. If you had just read her, what words would you use to describe her? Persistent. Persistent. Love it. What else? determined. I love that word. Uh Uh-huh. She's right. Now, this is very important. I'm going to use this word. She is righteous. All right? She is right. I always think when she's talking, I think about Job. Did Job do anything wrong to deserve the wrath of God? No. No. And he knew that. Now, there's part of us, and this is what I want you to understand. As Christians today, a lot of us don't walk around with that type of righteousness with God knowing that he's covered us a lot of us walk around feeling very bad and I want you to understand you cannot stand before someone and have those feelings this is what God is calling you to you have to be and understand that you're righteous best example of that is Paul what was Paul before he he became a uh a, a Gentile uh, minister killer of people what else mm-hmm he led women and children in chains out of their homes for the sake of the gospel he did that nobody else he did that that's what scripture tells us and then you see him go to the Gentiles and he's locked up he's in chains he's he's done the I mean it's a reverse but I want you to understand there's something about that that how can you be that sort of person and then stand before people and say the grace of God is why I'm here because he understood he was righteous. He was righteous. It wasn't him that made himself righteous. What made him righteous? See a need for a savior. Absolutely. Okay. So we're moving through these. All right. So we get here. We know that um, there's a sense of justice. Who is just? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say God. Because vengeance is whose? Very good. Now it's starting to make sense why that's in there. Vengeance is mine. Where does vengeance fall in times? Do you start to see the why that's there? Oh, scripture's so beautiful. I just get so excited when I have. I have to tell you when I'm teaching and something, and sometimes it's when I'm teaching something clicks for me and I'm like, oh, that's amazing. Anyway, so I get very excited. All right. So we've already just talked about some discipleship things that Jesus is getting across, and then he tells another parable. Okay. And he's telling this uh, for a reason. So who's he talking about here? Well, next parable.
1: To. The Pharisees he's are talking about
0: Pharisees, yep, and the tax collector. Tax collectors are who? They are the best people in the world. We just love them. Scum of the earth. Scum of the earth. We, you can think of a repo man. That's kind of like, you know, when you see somebody who's having their vehicle repoed or that, you're like, ooh. Car salesman, somebody we would not, uh, somebody in one of my classes one time said a lawyer. That's a little rough. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to go there. Uh, but anyway, you get the idea. What our culture would say, the lowest of the lowest. And then a Pharisee who is what? What is a Pharisee? be He was religious. Religious leader. He was, and I'm going to put this here, self-righteous. So righteousness of God is different than self-righteous, just so you know. And you can also write pride because those two go together. Okay? All right. So the Pharisee prays. And by the way, if you haven't, between 11 and 12, circle all the eyes. Tell me how many there are. Okay, there's five. In case you ever did not know this, you ever pray and use five eyes like that in a row in less than two sentences, you probably want to check yourself. Okay, there's a good lesson there within a lesson, but check the I's. Um, because he says God, and then he starts I, 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 I. By the way, what is this? I give, I fast, I think works look at what I do. Thank goodness I'm not like you. Yeah, I have to tell you, um, there's part of me, God made it very clear when I started working in Lebanon and Syria, and I've been in war zones a lot because of my husband. Um, but when I started working with people like there, he made it very clear for me to say, you are gifted by geography, but that doesn't make you better than them. And he was very clear for me to understand that my geography makes me very blessed. I am very blessed. But that doesn't make me better than someone who never heard the gospel of God. does not make me better. And if you have that attitude, you can go in there and start telling people what to do. And that's not necessarily what God is doing there. God is doing his work, and I need to respect that it's his work in that time period with these people. And I get to be a part of it, but I am not to go in there and I am so glad that I don't live here. (laughs) I am so glad that I know the word of God and you don't. Which part of me is very grateful that I know the word of God, just so you know. But that's just wrong. That attitude is wrong. Okay? All right. So you see this again. So Susan, I'm going to point it out to you. So 14, what does he say there? He went to his house what? Who justifies? Uh Uh-huh. Rather than the other, for everyone who will be. But the one who humbles himself, it is not by coincidence that if you lose your life and gain your life are the same scriptures and this follows. Those are all flow of life. Okay? Because it starts to give you an idea of what he's saying. So we are to be humble. We are to be merciful. And by the way, when I do Bible study, these are things that I do. I start, what is, what is Jesus really teaching me here? So I can start to understand a little bit, and I start them on the side of the page, just so I have an idea in my head what's going on. Okay? All right. So where our lesson really started was at verse 31, so we'll delve into that a little bit. And see where we go from here. And taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. All right, so let's start this. Now, keep Isaiah in mind. All right, so he teaches the gospel to them. So what is going to happen to the Son of Man? He's handed over the Gentiles. You guys did some word lookups and that. Is he just handed over to the Gentiles? If you did your homework. He's also handed over to the Jews and other scriptures. So he's handed over to both. Okay? It's a very important point. He's specifically saying Gentiles here, but make no mistake, he's handed to both. He will be judged by the chief priests. He will be judged. They're all Jewish. Okay. So he's handed over. What else is going to happen to him? He is mocked. Uh Shamefully treated. I love the word shamefully. It means you will have to hide your eyes. Mm -hmm. He's spat upon. He is flogged. And then they will kill him. He will be killed. Okay? Now, son of man, all these things are happening here. Um, I want to, and then on the third day, he will be raised. All right, I'm going to get a different color. How many of you have heard K. Arthur talk about the beating that Jesus took? Anybody? How many of you seen The Passion of the Christ? She was one of the people that was asked to, to discuss this with Mel Gibson, so that, <clears throat> and it's in the teaching she's done many times. Um, handed over, delivered is another terminology that she's there. Anyway, she was asked to do this, and when she described it, Mel Gibson said it was too graphic for t- for movies, which I think is beautiful. It was too graphic. So if you've ever watched The Passion of the Christ. I had to leave the room, it was so awful. I couldn't handle it. It was just, I sobbed. My husband and I'd go in the kitchen and we'd cry and then we'd come back out and watch five more minutes and then I'd go back in and cry. It was just awful for me to try to get through. Um, I want you to understand, that doesn't even begin to cover what he, happened to him. She talks about they used, the whip had a hook on it and it would shred his flesh every time they whipped him. I want you to understand that he suffered gratefully And I also want to point something out to you. The things that God allowed to happen that man thought he did, what are the two words there that I circled that you need to know about? Or delivered and raised. Who did the delivery? God delivered them into his hands. Just so you know, man wanted to, but not until the right time. I want you to understand, God was fully aware of that. And then when it was appropriate and at the right time, what did he do? He overcame the cross. Part of what I want you to get, and this is one of those things uh, when Kay Arthur was talking about and the things that happened, I just think that's so beautiful that our day in media, we talk about violence and those sorts of things. Truth could not be shown on television because it was too graphic. I find the irony in that. Nobody else me. I think that's interesting because that was truth. And he's like, no, no, that's too much. We can't put that on television. Anyway, we can't put that on uh, in a movie, okay? All right, so he has shared all this, and what about the beautiful disciples? They didn't understand any of this. So here's a really good point. I'm just gonna, again, remember flow of thought. They understood none of it. It was hidden. They did not grasp it. Whenever you see each time it's stated a different way, you need to make a note of that. What do you take away from this? Yeah, from that statement, they did not understand, it was hidden, they did not grasp it. Yeah. <laughs> Just They don't know. Yeah. They're clueless. <laughs> okay, and it's important to note it's three times. It's not once. It's not these things were hidden from them. It's they did not know, they did not know, they did not know. Okay, whenever you see, and I think the new translations kind of uh, miss it, whenever you see the words like truly, 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 I say to you, Jesus is literally saying, I cannot lie, I cannot lie, this is the whole truth as I know it. And that's what truly, truly, truly means. With that type of statement in front of it and that type of particularity, that's why when you see things like this, you should put a little star, because, but they did not understand, it was hidden, they did not grasp it. Why do you think they did not understand? Why? That's right. He doesn't want to thwart it. You couldn't thwart the plan of God anyway, but why else? Why else has he not shared it with them? Which part is he in? Is he he in the first coming or the second coming? And I want you to get that. He's still letting them kind of comprehend. He's doing two, first coming and second coming. He's talking about them, and it's confusing to us. Can you imagine if you were there? So, okay. Don't you
2: think he's doing that on purpose too? Because he has to have, like, Luke's getting the testimony for everybody. So they're going to say, He told us, but we didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And then yet God's saying, Well, I didn't let him get it because it wasn't the time. Yep. I, I wanted it to be registered here that I knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. And therefore, they had to be my witness mm-hmm. to what I knew and what was going to happen so they could put it in the Bible and we everybody would get the big picture.
0: You know, that's a beautiful point. Um, One of the things that I think is great, and it's in Galatians, Paul says, at the appointed time I came to know Christ. And it's a beautiful phraseology. So everything he did before, he wasn't upset that he didn't know Christ before he knew Christ. He knew what he was. I'm sure he repented over what he was, but his life was definitely changed. I think that's a really good ideology in what you were talking about here for this statement as well. They did not know. Their appointed time had not come yet, but it's there. And and God is saying, you know, it's revealed to those. Some people were getting it, but to them, it was not. it's not their appointed time yet. And by the way, why isn't it their appointed time yet? <clears throat> they're still babies. Yeah, they're going to have to grow up real quick. And just so you understand, he's trying to talk to them about the kingdom that will be coming. And a lot of them thought it was supposed to be happening now. So there's a lot of confusion about all this stuff. A lot of them did not real, realize that they would be obedient. And here's the question I'm going to ask you. How far are we supposed to be obedient? Yeah. To the end? And what was Jesus say? I was obedient unto. I was obedient. Yep. Yeah. All right. I love this because it's like he's training the next runners. You have to give them some recovery time in between. So they're getting ready to get ready. to. Their race is just about to begin. All right. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. So what is interesting about this parable, and why is it here? Mm Mm-hmm. Joshua was in Jericho. The walls of Jericho fell with a trumpet. Here's some context for this sort of thing. So he's coming there to uh, Jericho, and somebody said, Jesus of Nazareth is passing. And what did the man cry out? Have Have mercy on me, which is have grace on me, which is, you know, recognize me. And those who were in front of him rebuked him, telling him, you need to be quiet and what happened? <laughs> By the way, what's coming? What happens? The Pharisees tells them what in a few, few verses? Rebuke you rebuke your disciples. Quit making them praise you. And he said, I can't shut them up because they will cry out all the more. And even the rocks will cry out. But I find this fascinating because you're starting to see something and that's good prophecy is a now implication with a future context. These pages are filled with it. So that automatically means that we have a priest and a prophet that's getting ready to head to the cross. Not only is the Son of Man, this is who He is, and He is headed to the cross. Okay? All right. so He's getting ready. Um, Like I said, He just keeps repeating. He's told them, and then these beautiful things start happening, and it's just beautiful. Prophecy and it's done. Prophecy and it's done. And He's showing them that he is who he says he is, okay? All right, so what did the blind man ask for? He asked for healing. So um, mine is an ESV version. What does the NASAB say at 41? What does it say? Lord, let me, what's the word? Regain, okay. Mine says recover my sight. Um, Another one says receive, so, okay, okay. So I'm a communications major, trained in that, so I just want to point something out to you, okay, just so um, you can see this. Whenever you see the word just with a pencil, do 41, recover or regain. 42, recover uh, or regain. 43, you should have the same wordology there, whatever the word is. And then I want you to move on to Luke 19, and at verse number 5, I want you to circle the phraseology, a number uh, five, Luke nineteen five. And when Jesus came to the place, he, circle that. All the same word in Hebrew, by the way. All of those words are the same. All of them. So this is interesting. And it's the same phraseology when Jesus took the bread and looked up and blessed it, same phraseology. He received, he regained, same phraseology. It's the same Hebrew word. Sometimes remember Hebrew words, they're not as many as in English. And so sometimes because of that, we miss the flow of thought. So I'm showing you, remember, we put numbers and page turn, We do all that. So again, this is the flow of thought. So he has just received sight. Okay? So he has, as the Messiah, the one who is to come, who has power of earth and heaven in his hands, who has been given authority, he has just overcome the world and said boom you have sight done all right so now he enters into Jer- uh, jericho by the way if you're a kid you know this little song we've got the all right anyway he entered jericho did any of you do it i did I is okay Just me all right yeah. did you yeah that's how we learn bible stories i think jesus likes music so all right that's <laughs> exactly. We know this. Yes. <laughs> He's a wee little man. <laughs> He's really little. All right. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a not just a tax collector. Who was he? A wee little man and a chief tax collector. Okay. And I love this phraseology. He was the chief, and he was rich. Yeah. Just so you know. All right. My phraseology is fun, so I'm going to read this to you. Now, and verse 3, this is the ESV version. And he was seeking to see Jesus. How does that say in yours? Trying to, see. trying to see. I love that. He was seeking to see Jesus. I love that. So he was trying to see Jesus. All right. So again... I'm going to show you a little bit about Zacchaeus. Again, not in here by accident. So here's Zacchaeus. He can't see Jesus because he's short. He's in worldly, physical flesh. He's limited. All right, so what does he do? Climb he climbs a tree. By the way, active. Active to seek him. Every time you open your Bible, it's the same sort of thing. It's activity. Jesus gets very excited when he starts seeing people being very active for him. So here it goes. Boom. He climbs up the tree, and Jesus came to the place, and what did he do? Or he received him, phraseology there, or he regained him, however you want to phraseology it, okay, and, and said, that's right, come down, because I what? I must stay. I love it when Jesus says, I must. Does Jesus have to must anything? That's a phraseology. When I read scripture and I see that word, I'm like, oh, this means something. I like it. He stayed at the house today. So what did, I love it. So what did Zacchaeus do? Boom. I'm out of here. Here we go. Down he came and uh, he received him joyfully. This receiving him at this point is hospitality, just like you would see in Mary and Martha. Same sort of, it's a different word. Um, but I want you to understand it means hospitality, and I loved it. He received him joyfully, gladly come in. Okay, now who's they? And when they saw it, Pharisees, Pharisees. and some of the disciples, what did they probably do? (laughs) They grumbled, yeah. Do you remember the uh, McDonald's? uh... Exactly, that's what I think of. A mumbler, that's what I think of. (laughs) Anyway, whenever I see that thing, that's what I think of. Yep, he's gone to be the guest of a man who is what? I, <laughs> I just want to point this out. Yes, very much so. So what do you see a little bit here in the Pharisees? See another story, a parable, a few verses before this where somebody's like, I i am so glad I'm not like you because you are a Oh, ain't it great. So Jesus just told him a parable and then what's happening? It's playing out. Ain't it great? All right, so I'm going to point this up here. If you're a disciple, you are a saved sinner. I'm just going to write up there in case any of you ever forget. I once, um, actually Randy Phillips of Life Austin says this all the time, and I love it. There are no good people in heaven. They're just saved people. I want you to get that. Take it to everyone who tells you, I'm a good person. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but awesome. But again, saved people. We are saved sinners. Okay. And Zacchaeus stood and said, "Behold Lord, what did he say? <clears throat> uh-huh? And if I've defrauded anyone of anything Okay, you've done word studies on this, and you've you flushed it out for yourself. What is that? It's big. It's a tax collector. He's rich. What did he do? He, re- he repented, very good. Acts of charity, you're seeing it here. Was he required to give fourfold? No. He gave above and beyond what was expected. He did not do the law, he did more than the law required. <clears throat> now you starting to understand why some of these scriptures are in here? Because as Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, this world is coming to an end. Yes?
1: Well, I think it's interesting that he gave possessions to the poor mm-hmm. in contrast to the rich young ruler that Jesus that said
0: right.
1: everything.
0: Why did he say everything?
1: In his heart. Mm-hmm. In his
0: heart his I'm going to mess your brain up for a little while. Are you ready? <laughs> You're going to have to wrap your head around it because I had to wrap my head around it. The word possession in scripture actually means Uh, the essence of life. It doesn't mean physical, material things. So go and sell all your necessities of life, not your extras of life. Sell your necessities of life and come and follow me. So isn't that a little bit like losing your life? Hmm. You'd think there was a parallel there. Hmm. Just an idea. (laughs) Now go wrap your head around that, Susan. Write it down. I'm writing it down. Look it up. Look up what the Blue Letter Bible says about what the Hebrew and Greek words are, and you can do that. All right. It'll mess with you because it messed with me. I was like, wow. All right. So Jesus said what to the people and to Zacchaeus. Yep. Because he's what? So that what what does that mean? Zacchaeus was. He was a Jew. Salvation has come to the Jew. So we know salvation came to a Samaritan. Now a salvation has come to a Jew. Okay? Now, I loved what Katie said, or not Katie, Um, I love what she says too, but what Kay said, which was verse 10. If you had to say anything about Luke, this is the one to star, highlight, triple line, whatever you do. For the Son of Man came to what? And to... Who? Okay, now I want to share this with you real quick. This is a very important scripture. He just declared what he was supposed to do. He has just said exactly what he came to do. Okay? I'm going to write it out to you because I don't know how many of you did Luke studies or word studies on this. But I believe wholeheartedly sometimes we've glossed over things and we're like, okay, you know, that says this. Sometimes we have to slow down and pick it a little bit apart. And today, if you walk out and this is all you get from anything we talked about, then it's been a great class. Okay? All right. So, verse 10 For the Son of Man, who is the Son of Man? Why is he called the Son of Man? Because he's in flesh. Is he still God? Yes. Okay? Just pointing that out in case you didn't know. Okay. Came. Uh huh. All right, the word seek here is word study number 2212. It's Greek. Okay. What does it mean?
2: It's to render or inquire. Desire. Mm-hmm. To and inquire and
1: seek. Okay.
0: So, uh-huh. To seek after. That's what I have. And to find out. Mm-hmm. Very good. So he came to seek out. So is this an active thing he's doing? Okay, it's very active. A little different than hide and seek because it's not, I found it, it's over. It's continual, constantly. And by the way, if you look up scripture study and and studying and knowing the word of God, seeking is the same word. It's habitual, consistent, going after. It's continually and you all are those people and that's what gets me so excited because this is what Christ has called us to. All right, to seek. And to what? Save. Okay. Save is word, if I can read my notes, 4982. Okay. It means to rescue. To keep safe and sound. It also means to save, which is pretty self-evident. And the other word is to preserve. All right, so the Son of Man, now I often do this, by the way, next to my paper. That's just the way I do it. So the Son of Man came to seek, to save, who? That was the lost. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, so who's the lost? This is number <laughs> 622. Two. Did you do that one? What did you come up? These are the ones marked for destruction. These are the ones that are going to be killed. And they have been declared that. Now. This gets me excited. All right. So let's go over why did why did Jesus come? To seek after so he could what What is he saving us from? Have we all been marked for destruction? What changes us from destruction? We are justified by who? Who was marked for destruction instead of us? I know that's kind of deep, isn't it? It's like, whoa. So Jesus just lays it on him. Here's Zacchaeus. By the way, who's Zacchaeus? See? One of the lost? Did he seek? He did what Jesus is doing because Jesus came after him. All right. And Jesus said, you are saved. I've rescued you. You will be with me. Yep. So you said that's why must is right there. Yes, you're very right. Yeah, I did. But you that's the connection right there. Number five to number 10 is exactly right. This I
1: think, not could be that he was didn't come he was
0: At this point, it's faith. Yeah, he was saved by faith. Absolutely. Because you don't go seeking, and you don't give half your possessions, not because you don't have to you do it because you've totally been changed. Yes. And you contrast that
1: the previous chapter with the Rich young Will. Yes. We came to the insincere pronouncement of good teacher. If he really believed that Jesus was good and God is good and he was standing in the presence of God, he would have followed it and obeyed.
0: I love it. It's like you've read my notes. Yes. So I have a question for you. What is that particular rich young ruler? What exactly in terms of uh, that particular scripture is so important for us today? What is it that they made mention of? He's rich, it's wealth. And what did they say? It is really difficult for someone who is wealthy. Okay, but he didn't say it couldn't be done. He said, but with who? Okay, so put that there. Now run over here. What did Jesus just do? Saved a rich man. Saved a rich man, <laughs> Woo! Drop the mic, that's good stuff right there. And yes, I act like this at home, so don't worry about it. I get my poor husband, he's hurt so much, he's like, really? He's like, I you know, and I'm just like, just sit there. I used to teach it to the dog, our dog died. But I used to <clears throat> my dog was very much saved. <laughs> Don't tell Katie that because she'll talk to me about that. Don't say that. All right. All right. Okay. All right. So he just made this declaration. And you can write Romans 5.8 on that as well because that's your a good uh, parallel scripture to that. And I want you to get what Jesus came to do. But I also want to keep this kind of in your head that as he's marching towards Jerusalem, he is seeing people who are marked for destruction. So when we say from heaven you are, when you accept Jesus Christ, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. If you are not sealed, what are you? You are marked. Now, I know everybody gets excited in Revelation and they always say, you know, what's the sign of the beast? What's, what's this to be? We're all going to be... And it might be a physical marker, but remember anything Satan does is a cheap imitation of whatever God has done. And understand... We're marked by him. Satan can't touch us. We're his. We are his. The end. Okay? Kind of gets me excited. All right. So then he goes on and he tells another wonderful parable. So I'm going to go ahead and erase some of this so I can have my board back. So he tells a great parable. Tell me about this parable. It's kind of a weird one. So I looked up how to say this. I'm not even going to really try, but there is no I in the way it's said. It's (laughs) mm. And I sat there for like 20 minutes with the computer going, nah, nah. My husband's like, are you OK? I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to <laughs> learn to say this, nah. Anyway, so that's how it sounds, in case you're curious. It's some form of money, so we'll just go with that. All right, so tell me the gist of this. What is the gist of this particular parable? Flow of thought, what's the gist? What do we have going on first? So we have a nobleman who goes and receives a kingdom. All right. Those of you who've been in Bible study a long time, who perhaps does this reference? Jesus. Always the answer when you don't know. Jesus. Always. And the other words is obedience. Those are the two. Those will get you out of anything. What is this saying? Obedience. Works every time. People are like, oh then they'll back up. They're like, well, I, I don't want to talk about that. So, yeah, all right. Okay, so the kingdom of God um, was supposed to appear immediately. So we have a nobleman there. So then what happens? He calls ten servants. <laughs> he gives them whatever that is. So he gives them money. Okay. And what does he say to do? Engage in business. Now, this isn't very important. He gives them a command. Engage in business. So I just want to point this out. So he gives them money. So he has prepared them and supplied them with what they needed. Okay? Engaged in business. This is the task that they should be about. So this is a command. They work for him. All right. And then he comes back. He's received the kingdom. Some time has passed. And what do we know? There's two faithful ones. What have they done? Two faithful have been obedient. Have been obedient. And what has happened because of it? They have prospered? Yes, yes. And what else has happened? The <coughs> prospered. Yep. The noblemen prospered. <coughs> so what does he do? He them. Uh-huh. What does he give them? Uh-huh. And what does 17 say? Because you've been faithful and little, you shall have what? He doesn't just make them business people, he sets them up as co-rulers. I just want you to get that. Yeah. So they are co-rulers now, the faithful and the obedient. Ooh, going to write that over here. Okay. It's okay if you wash toilets. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. That's You know what? So the streets are made of gold. Oh,
2: there you go. toilets. There won't be toilets.
0: No. Like we don't toilet. have our bodies. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're not going to be <laughs> doing toilets. You're okay. <laughs> anyway, that I can say with a shorty. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Back to what we were talking about. Okay. So here we are in his, and then he comes to the one that didn't do what? What did, he, what did he do instead? No, so one was not obedient. What did he do? Now, I love how you said that. What did he do? He hit it. He just hit it. What did he do? He actively disobeyed. <laughs> he had a treasure and he went and he denied it. He hit it. Was he actively seeking? He was actively not seeking. (laughs) Just so you know, he was like, I'm going to put it over here. I know it, but you don't know it. It's awesome. Okay? All right. So what did he say to that? What did the nobleman say? Mm Mm-hmm. That's right. All right. By the chance. Does this? start to make you think of what? What is this parable referencing? Is it this world? Is he talking to his disciples about now? What is this about? It's is the second coming. All right. So what treasure have you been given and equipped and able to say and talk about? Salvation. Salvation. Have any of you hit it? Have you actively disobeyed what Christ has told you to do? <laughs> Could be. Could be. Real- These are questions to write, and when you're at home by yourself, let the Spirit convict you. Um, yeah. It's always hard when you're teaching and you're convicting people and they start crying in class because then you really feel bad. So don't cry now. Keep it in. Keep it in. You're strong one, people. Go like that. Okay. All right. So he said all these things, and then in 27, people don't like this, but it fits with everything I just told you all about Jesus. What's going on in 27?
2: Bring them here and slay death.
0: Who's he slaying?
2: The non believers, non whatever.
0: The disobedience, okay, yeah. the people who are against him. Because now he is not a member of their world, he is a ruling reigner. Completely different theology completely different type for him for who he's supposed to be so do you understand and this is the thing that just pushes on me and that just wells in my heart continually i think wholeheartedly as a church here's what happens we get fixated on the one or two people that are in our families and that that we're supposed to try to save okay and so it stays very confined and what does Jesus do? And what has he shown us continually? Where is he finding people to talk about the gospel? Everywhere, everywhere. everywhere he goes. At the, everywhere. And I want you to get that in your head because I believe wholeheartedly that is one of Satan's tactics. If he can get you so distracted about your own stuff, you won't go reach out. You don't have to because you're all worked up constantly about all this stuff. And that's part of what this church in this age in this country fights with. It's self-indulgence all the time. I could tell you right now in Lebanon, Syria, Dubai, um, Jordan, where Christian churches are, they're not thinking about whether or not their family members are saved because none of them are. They're running out to help them. They're running out to help their neighbor. They're running out to because they have something nobody else has. They can't wait to share it. We, because of our culture and that, we've kind of drawn back and said, And hope nobody notices. And where are we going to be rewarded? He's very clear here. Where are we going to be rewarded? And what are we going to be doing? Katie loves to say it. We're going to be ruling and reigning. <laughs> Sound like her? Been taught well. Huh? Ruling over those will be the ones, and this is a good point. When Jesus is in uh, control, there will be generations. The world has not stopped yet. The world is not destroyed, so there'll be still birth. There'll still be giving. There'll still be there'll be things going on. And as we know with the nations, Satan may be bound, but evil still persists. And what's going to happen again? They'll come up against him. Yep, which is kind of ridiculous. If you remember what happens, it's kind of like losing battle, but they're going to try.
1: So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when, um, verse 21, if, if the nobleman is Jesus, I didn't understand um, the second when you take up what you did not lay down, what you did, you did not sow, if that's supposed to be referring to the nobleman.
0: That's a really good point. Okay, now verse 21. <clears throat> All right. For I was afraid of you. All right. So here's the question I'm going to ask you. Let's just put our head back where Jesus is. I was afraid of you. So um, the rest of them, did they show fear? So there's two types of fear. There's paralyzing fear, and there's fear that we're in reverence of you. So I think that's your key verse right there. So keep that in mind. So which fear is this one?
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: The reverence fear of God is where we respect him. I have the fear of God. I understand the awesome power. When his foot strikes land, it's splitting. Just so you all understand, wow. This is the power that was in front of them. He was clothed in flesh. Same God, same power. I want you to understand that the stuff you're seeing at the end times, he's not just getting for that time. This is still him. He's that God, okay? Okay. All right. And what did now again circle because what did the the um the servant say? You are a what?
1: Exacting.
0: Uh huh, exacting. Mine says severe man. It's almost like his
1: bigger penlits had like your none of the other ones had that movie like he's a bad. Like it's an
0: exacting, severe person. Yeah, it says severe. By the way, does the nobleman call himself severe? So already you're starting to see a mindset that is very broken. Okay? So this is when you get into context and you start to take scripture apart. This is the stuff you have to do, is let's back up and see where what we're seeing. So you have fear, which is not right. You have him, by the way, blaming the nobleman. By the way, I just can't wait to see that. Jesus, you are vengeful. (laughs) Yes, yes, I am. Thank you very much. Read your Bible. That's what it says. Anyway, but I just can't wait to be there because it's like, okay, yeah. So this exacting severe, um, you know, there's part of this, uh, you know, he counts the cost, those sorts of things. That's the idea you should take. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. Now here's the thing. Who's saying this? The servant is is saying this about who? And is that true? Does that help you? Awesome. You're going down. Oh, sorry. <laughs> do you ever cheer for the people in the Bible? I do. Is it going to make it? Is it? Even though I know the answer. All right. All right. So all of that has happened. Jesus has said this, and then on verse 28 is where we're at in the flow of thought. I'm going to go ahead and rest this, if that's okay with you. I, we do. We do. Over there. Awesome. <laughs> That's okay. I didn't even notice, so that should tell you something. (laughs) Now I'm good for right now, but we'll be good. I'll put it up for tonight. All right. So, Jesus says what to them? As he draws near to Bethany and Bethpage, as the mount that's called the Mount of Olives, basically, he sent two of his disciples. What does he tell them to do? He gives them a command. He says, Go and do this. All right. So, I just want to point this out to you. He's laying a foundation for something to come. He tells them to go do something, and what's going to happen? What's the next event? It It happens. (laughs) Starting to see a flow of thought here. Because I was like, why would you just yell out the cult right in the middle of this? But it starts to, as you start to see this, he's just told them about the kingdom to come. Some of them are still looking at him, even if they're catching it, even if they're understanding it. Then he starts to say, Here you are, and what's the sign of a prophet? How do we know it's a prophet? What he says comes true. Boom, right there. All right, so he does the colt, all right? And I love 34, uh, verse uh, 34. Why are you untying the colt? And the answer is? The Lord has has need of it. Does the Lord need a (laughs) colt? No, just so you're aware. He was fully capable of walking, flying, disappearing in one place, going to another place. He doesn't need to ride an animal. Why does he ride an animal? He fulfills prophecy. Absolutely. And that is the point. Okay? <laughs> he is fulfilling prophecy all along this. So we know a Samaritan has been saved. We know a Jew has been saved. And then as they brought the cult in uh, to Jesus, what did they do? They threw, they threw their coats on him. And then Jesus got on it. And then he rode along. And what did they do into the city? I think they did. Yeah, yeah. I think they did. And that was mm-hmm. So, I don't know how many people that is, but that's probably a lot of people. <laughs> Throwing your coats down. Now that's this cool. is interesting. I, so, I have a I wore this specifically. I have a pretty nice coat on. Yeah. Here comes the King of King and the Lord of all Lord and everything that will ever be. What should I have been doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's a white coat and it's clean and it's pretty. Yeah, but I want you to get this in your head because we kind of read this stuff and we're like, how oh, they threw their, and you know, when I think of a cloak, I think um, um, nasty, dirty. It's kind of like my idea of what people who were, ref- I don't know what I thought refugees looked like. I expect them to be dirty, dusty, wearing drapes. I don't know, kind of like Greek people. I don't know what I thought. I walked over there and I'm like, you shop at the mall, I shop at the mall. <laughs> <laughs> well, go figure that one out. You know, you live in a tent, I live in a house. But you still shop at the mall and you have a phone and you do your nails and you pluck your eyebrows. Well, that's weird. I thought you should be none of those things. It's kind of that mentality in our head. Like we have this picture in our head. So people, because of the massive amount of them and how excited they were, he was on the cult because what did that mean scripturally? You guys did the work. He was king. And what else did it mean? Blessed is the one who comes, who brings peace and salvation. Okay? Yes. I mean, it's kind of had much, so if they
1: their
0: on the ground, Jesus, kind of like sell your possessions or throw your – you kind of get the idea? Yeah. yeah. I don't imagine – I mean, you can pick it back up after an animal <laughs> walked on it, but, yeah, that's kind of the idea.
1: But – they did this when a king came to town, so they're they're acknowledging him to be king by throwing their coats down, and then they turn coats on him. I mean, they uh, they're mm-hmm. accepting him now as their king, but they're going to turn around and
0: why? And our scripture says it. We've just read these verses. Why why are they going to turn on him? What was it they thought in their head? The king had come, so what must happen? The king was going to rule and reign, and what was going to happen to the Jewish people? They're going to be elevated. Because, again, he's talking about self-righteousness and all that other stuff. They wanted to be, I'm better than you. I am chosen. Yeah. Um, A couple of years ago, I worked with a guy um, in self-defense and some other stuff, because when I travel, I have to have that in my head. He was Israeli and um, Jewish. And we had such a great conversation. And I asked him once, I said, so, by chance, are you really prideful about being Jewish? He said, yes, I'm the beloved. I'm like, okay. <laughs> do you go to church? Do you go to synagogue? Do you do- no, I just, I just honor the holidays. Okay. Ha! But it's that same idea, you know, it's, it, that's what, it's not just generational, it's long time. That thought process, I'm beloved of God. I'm beloved of God. Yeah, it's a self righteous. Mm hmm. Kind of interesting. Um, so that's what Jesus was also battling. Okay, on verse 37, we've talked about this already. He goes, and what starts happening? Mm hmm. They are joyful, joyful and loud. She's trying to come up with a comparison today. What would that be like for us today? Rock concert. rock concert, football stadium. I have a question. If Jesus showed up today, would you do that? Probably not. The Ark of the Covenant, when it came back into town, what did David do? So I drew an arrow to this because this is something I think is so great. So I always go back to David and his behavior because a lot of that is heart condition. David danced without any clothes on in front of the Ark as it came back to Jerusalem. He was so happy, exactly. So here's a phraseology that people say. He was undignified. How undignified are you willing to be? Because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has come to town. What are you willing to do? And if you're just going to stand there with your little pinwheel and go, yay. Might want to check your heart there, just so you know. Because we're either all in it like Zacchaeus or we're not. We're climbing trees, we can't get enough, we are actively at it. I think we've done a really great job of stepping back and saying, somebody else do it. And that is not what scripture says, it is for us. You know, I get really excited and I can't help it. Every day I get up because I have no idea what's gonna happen. I have no idea what God is gonna teach me. I cannot wait to understand more. And I, it was not always that way. That is something that I have fed, but that's the point. I fed into it continually, I can't wait. I can't wait to talk to Katie. If she and I go to lunch, I guarantee you, ain't nothing going to be discussed but how marvelous God is. I love that. We're going to talk about it. I'm sure she has a family and everything else, but we never talk about that. We talk about Jesus. And we get really excited about that. And part of what I want you to understand is, is this is what's happening to some of them. They really are followers of Christ. They really will become, and some of them won't. But there's an excitement there that's building. All right. All right, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in our midst. All right, so I want to talk about this. I'm going to put peace right there. I'm coming back to that. And then the Pharisees rebuked him and said what? Tell him to be quiet. And he said the rocks would cry out. Why? Why would the rocks cry out? Yeah, there's a phraseology when we get to Easter, I never understood. And by the way, I heard sermons for years that were totally wrong. And that is, why was Jesus silent on the cross as as much as he was? And it's the same thing that he's talking about here. Who is he? If he opens his mouth, what happens? And they say, you could have called legions of angels. He could have stopped the earth. Like, don't misunderstand who this is. And this is what I want to tell you about our culture. We have dumbed him down and it is wrong. It is wrong. And that is who is on this cult. And he's writing in and he's passing by and everybody's crying out and the Pharisees are annoyed and they're like, we're self-righteous. You can't be self-righteous too. There's only one of us at the top so you have to and they're saying, make them stop, make them stop. And he's saying, I can't, because even the rocks will cry out. Why? They're his rocks. And that gets you excited. <laughs> All right. 41. This is the part I want to talk about now. When he drew near and he saw the city, what city is that? He wept. He wept. So he's joyful and loud, and then he wept over the city. Why?
1: Recognize Because he is
0: God of Absolutely. As he drew near the city, you wept over it, saying, Would that even you had known on the day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. I want to stop right there. Write Romans 5 1 next to that. If you will, it's a cross reference. All right. So I want to talk to you about peace. We have a misconception of what peace is, okay? Jesus came and peace was established. What does peace mean? As believers, this is something you should know. What does peace mean? Being reconciled to God. Huh? Being reconciled, to God. Being reconciled to God. That's right. We have peace with who? We are, we talked earlier about the wrath of God. What has happened? You are no longer his enemy. You are no longer his enemy. Why? Because Jesus satisfied. all right? So I want you to understand peace means reconciliation to God. We are at peace with God. It is not humanity peace. It is peace with God. Exactly But peace with God. there's and the other word for that is contentment. okay? Contentment. Rest. Have blessed rest. rest. A contentment or rest. Rest not, so we still have to go to work. So what is the peace about? What is the contentment about? We don't have to earn our way. Okay. So I want you to get, he's looking at Jerusalem and he's weeping over the city and he says to them really clearly, "Had let's see, would that you, even you had known on this days the things that make for peace or
1: rest.
0: A reconciliation, and now what has happened? They're hidden. They are hidden. Now, does that make a little more sense now, what's going on here um, and why he says those things that he is? We have peace, but I want you to understand, a lot of people think peace means lack of war. We will have peace at some time, and uh, the Lord gave peace to Jerusalem and to Israel, Um, at times when they were serving him. But I want you to understand this piece that he's talking about is a reconciliation on the cross. I would that you would know about salvation. I would that this would happen. I would that you would be under my domain of authority instead of being under Satan's domain. But even now, even now, it's hidden. Now I want you to hear something from this. Remember, there's prophecy in this. He's telling a... Something that's happening now with a future implication. So where will there be people destroyed in the future? And I want you to get that because in our Christianity walk, a lot of people, we've kind of erased that from our scriptures because we don't want to talk about it. But you, I don't know how you cannot talk about the wrath of God and the peace of God. I don't know how you how you get away from that. Um, yep.
1: On the hidden, um, why or how are they?
0: Uh, They are hidden from your eyes, but now they are hidden from your eyes. The things that make peace. That's a good thing. All of those, yes, I would say. Here it goes down. So let's keep going. I, I would say yes to all that. For the days will come upon you when who? Enemies will set up a barricade around you. By the way, what's the, what does a nobleman or a ruler do for his, for his enemies? He protects. So this is, this is something for you guys to take notes. Enemies will come and barricade you, surround you, and hem you in on every side. Anybody read what's going on in Jerusalem right now? What has happened since Trump declared Jerusalem as the capital? Oh, there's a lot of flare-up over there. There are a lot of things going on. And I want you to understand there are a lot of things going on here, but it's also, he's talking about the the Jewish people. He's talking about a country. He's talking about what's to come as well. You're going to be hemmed in. So remember, this just isn't about what's to come in a couple of years. This is for, okay, um, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone under you or in you because you did not know this was the time of your visitation. What did visitation mean? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And who brings the visitation? Who plans all that? You can write by visitation, appointed time. It's a good phraseology for that. So it was hidden from them. I like your thought process. We know through Scripture, and you can take it in and you can go to cross references, but to be hidden, we know their hearts were stoned. We know that, that God did, um, uh, if they didn't accept Him, that they rejected him. We know that for the events that are to come. But please understand in scripture, if you wanted to know Jesus, would he deny you? So make it understood that he did not just go across the Jews and say, all of you are gone. Because what did he just do for Zacchaeus? Okay, so he's talking about a people group and a location, um, not necessarily individuals. Always a remnant. Always. Always a remnant.
1: At least in the whole, um, it asks during these scriptures, who was he talking to? So before it happened, they were throwing their clothes down. And then it says, when he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept too. Who, who was he talking to? The Jews at that point.
0: Who's with him? <laughs> 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 who has told How him right before him? 39. City? Who? Who is it that what has just LCC? yelled at him? Mm-hmm. And we do neither city. so everybody's moving as this large people group. I always think of, and the best way to say it is that large group that's coming from South America to the border. That's kind of the I, I, bad representation, but it's the kind of same idea. That's what they're doing. They're moving towards it. Yeah, and it's very common for Jewish people during festivals and that to travel with a large group. This is not anything that would have caught it, anybody's attention. This is very normal. Okay, people would have been moving in. And by the way, we're getting close to what? Those of you who know scripture and time period. Mm -hmm. So there would be how many people probably in Jerusalem? So so you're starting to see that the city swells kind of like us in South by Southwest. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm not going downtown. (laughs) So anyway. All right. All right. Number 45. So this kind of seems odd. Just kind of stuck there. It doesn't seem to flow. Um, but I hope to make some clarity for that as well. So um, real quick, he entered the temple and began to who? I I so I had an opportunity to go um, this last trip to Lebanon. They allowed me to go to uh, a Baal temple um, that had eventually been reconstructed and taken over, and it became a church, but it was a still withstanding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was the temple of Baal, and if you don't know him, he was a god that bad things happen. All right, so I went. I was so excited. It was five miles outside of Syria. They said it was safe for us to go in. Probably the only one in the mission trip going, going to the house of Baal. Okay, (laughs) I wanted to see it. I want to know what it is. I want to understand what was happening, and when you see something in Scripture that's a physical place in person, it makes you go, ooh, yeah, that's bad. I can't even begin to describe how big it was. Talk about Disneyland. I mean, just... Ugh, it was overwhelming how big it was. And as we were going through, the tour guide said, up these steps, people would be selling their goods, and they would be set up like a market. People would come and get their food. They would get their, their bread. They would get their cheese. There would be animals for slaughter. There would be prostitutes that you could... and you know. Anyway, and they went through all this stuff. So... Get that in your head and your mind as we're about to read this. As he entered the temple, he began banned to drive out those who sold. So you're not talking about a small space. You're talking like a city block or bigger of people just doing all sorts of things in commerce in the house of the Lord, claiming it was God, okay? All right. And what did we learn in John? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. So what happened in John? Let's talk about it. What was going on in John? John, I don't remember five something. Five. The beginning of his ministry.
1: Mm Mhm. Zeal for your
0: house. Zeal for your house. But what was what was he driving out? Uh huh. So they were prospering for God. How? So this is John, I have to find it in my notes. It's what, John 2, 11, is that what you said? Okay, so if somebody wants to look that up, and then um, I didn't write those all down in my note. I did my notes, Where I can find it. It's good, because this helps you understand what was going on. So by the way, why would there be selling in the temple right now? Ah, starts to make sense, doesn't it? All right, so this is on the page 30. So there was selling of oxen, sheep, and doves. There was money changers. <clears throat> now, you wouldn't probably know this, but it's a very good example I'll give you. Whenever the Syrians go into Lebanon and they try to trade money and that sort of thing, Lebanese rip them off. It's part of it. It's part of what's done. So if you're a foreigner and you've come for Passover and you're in the house of God and you have to have change made or something, Whatever that looks like, what was happening? We have greed. We have greed. That's what it is. What is greed? It tells you in scripture, what is greed? It's a sin. It's idolatry. So you have idolatry in the house of God. Does it make more sense now why he took the whip and started, woohoo! Yeah. Yeah. And again, without references or titles or page numbers, go back to a couple of verses before. What did Jesus say about rich people? It's hard to get in heaven. Because what are these people serving? The they're serving the world and they're standing in the house of God saying, this is God. I'd be mad, too. Yeah. That would get me a little woo a little hot under the you collar.
2: it's interesting with the brazenness. thin start sometimes in very small amounts, and then people feel more comfortable with their lives and their seeds, and they get more more brazen. So by this time, this is probably a very way up over the top to the point. It's not a little secret. It's like, hey, I'm going to sell you this bad lamb, call it a good lamb, and it's obvious you know what you're getting a bad lamb. And so just today
0: hmm the same thing. What does this remind you of? It's exactly what's happened in Romans 1. People start down a path where they habitually sin, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. And as you habitually sin, what definitely comes out if you're a habitual sinner? What do you automatically know about a habitual sinner? Who can you not serve? You cannot be a habitual sinner and serve. You cannot. Scripture's very clear. You cannot serve two masters. So if you're a habitual sinner, what are you? You are unsaved. You are lost. Yeah. Yep. And he drove him out of the temple because the temple wasn't for the lost. Who was the temple for? The righteous. That's who it was for. Anyway, he walks in and he sees all this stuff going on. And a lot of people have allowed it to happen. Okay. So 47 and 48. So <clears throat> I want you to kind of see the flow of thought there. So he has just said, this is hidden from your eyes. Then he gives you a very pointed picture of why heaven is hidden from their eyes, he goes right in and starts cleaning out the temple. Their temple has become a den. They have become servants, not to Jesus or to God, they have become servants of self. And he makes that very clear. And then it goes on and it talks about what Jesus was doing. By the way, leading up to his death, obedient unto death, what is he doing? yep and the chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were what Trying to destroy him. seeking to destroy him seem awful familiar, and then I love forty eight I love verses that start with but but what couldn't find, couldn't find anything at all because why all the people hanging on everywhere. so hanging on his words it's we it still references today into our society uh Literally means um, it literally means to hang off his lips. That's li- the literal translation in the Hebrew uh, in the Greek, like holding on to his lips. And is that attentive? Yes. Very much so. All right. So um, the word group for this it's uh, the Greek word one five eight two, and this is what it means. They were attentive. They were obedient. They were submitting to authority. Uh Uh-huh, they were revering, very good. They were uh, being persuaded. They were taking heed. By the way, this should all seem very scriptural to you. (laughs) They were paying attention. Oh, I already got that one. So, at this point in time, you start to see, even he's cleaned it out, he's cleaned it out, he's walked in, now he's teaching in it. Boom. Here I am, here's it going. And the people are so, here he's come for the day, you know, and just, and this is what's happening. Would you say these are signs of being a disciple? Okay. Okay. So that's discipleship that we're starting to see um, on these. So hopefully this helped you. I want to do one more thing before we end today, but hopefully this has helped you with some of the understanding of these scriptures. Are you starting to get excited as we head to the cross? Do you understand for those, you know, for example, when um, they presented Jesus in the temple, when these people were excited, It just goes to show you what was happening. There were people in the temple praying for the Savior to come. The Savior came, and by the time he comes back to the temple, it's overrun with the world. The world has allowed havoc to happen. And his job is to clean it out and to point people back to where they're supposed to be. All right, so I did something on purpose today, and I always think it's good to do contrast. And I think it's good to do contrast, especially where your belief system is, and maybe you're not convinced. So this is kind of where I want to go. So help me out here. And anybody, you can read through my disciple of Jesus. Now, most people don't like to go here because they're like, "I, I don't know. But I think you have to do this sometimes so you understand what's happening in our culture, okay? All right, so under discipleship of Jesus, while we study in Luke, what you know from scripture, we're told to pray, correct? We're told not to lose heart. We're told to be persistent, determined, that we're righteous, that justice is coming from God, to be humble, merciful, obedient, generous, faithful. We are saved. We are offered peace. I'm going to write, we are offered the Holy Spirit, okay? We are given freedom, okay? Anything else that you can see up here? We are to edify the body, okay? At the end, we will have reward. We will have salvation, okay? In this lifetime, we are to have hope. Because of those things, we are given in this lifetime the ability to have the gifts of the Spirit. Okay? Would you say that that's a lot? Okay? All right. By the way, this is supposed to be what? Habitual. Which means what? Always, continually, consistently, persistently. Last class, somebody said nagging. I love that. Yes. Good idea. To the point, you're annoying. Because what did Jesus say about the woman who went before the unjust ruler? He answered her. And the unjust ruler thought it was his fault. And we all know that it was God's doing. But good for you. You'll stay in darkness and be hidden. That's fine, but God allowed her plea to be heard. All right, this is the one that some of you are gonna go, ooh and feel uncomfortable, but I wouldn't do my job if I didn't do this. All right, so to be this, what are you? You're obedient to the flesh. What does that mean? Lust, self, um, you will see liars, you will see murderers, You'll see immoral, you'll see the impure, you'll see people who are covetous. By the way, these are all, I'll give you the references here for all of this. This is bondage, by the way. We will see wickedness. We will see envy. We will see slander. Don't go on Facebook or Twitter or anywhere else. Uh, We will see pride. We will see people who are self-righteous. We will see foolishness, which is wise people thinking they know things. We will see hate. We will see, I'm just going to write sexual immorality, including adultery and fornication. I'm just going to write that. We will see idolatry, which is making God in our image, which are these words if you've heard of them. And I just want to share this with you. I don't like the God in the old Testament. My God does this. What is that? It's idolatry pure and simple. You have taken what God has said he is and made it into your own image. If you know anybody that does that, do not follow any of that. You may not like what you hear about God and I am totally okay with that, but do not make them into something you can understand or wrap your head around. That is idolatry. Okay. Greed. these are the ones in the church, strife, jealousy, dissension. By the way, one of the things I want to tell you about Katie, and I believe it to be one of the greatest things she's ever done for me, women specifically, when you become a women teacher in that, they get very, this is my domain and you can't come in. As a teacher, what is our job? We're to raise up what? Okay, I loved Katie from day one. She said, you are anointed to teach. My job is to help you become the best teacher you can be. This is how we're going to do that. From day one, I met her. That's where she is. She's thrilled I'm teaching. She's thrilled I teach at my church. She's thrilled that that's what I want to tell you. When we are in God, we are not jealous of each other. We're on the sidelines going, go, 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 go farther. Do better than I am. My job is to raise up the next generation. And I am working on that. I meet with 20 year olds and 30 year olds, and here we go. And we're raising them up because that's what's been modeled to me. I want you to understand it's really easy to get in the world real quick with a lot of this stuff, even in churches. So, how is your heart supposed to be over here? Humble. Humble. So, we're supposed to have a tender heart, supposed to be kind, supposed to be humbled. Okay, and watch your heart over here. It's hard, harsh. I like how you said that, hard, harsh. It's stone. That's how God refers to it. We promote self. I just, by the way, this is Galatians 5.21, Ephesians 5.5, Mark 7.22, Titus 3.3, that's all of those. All right, so after the class today, what's going to happen to these people? And why aren't we headed there? kind of interesting. Right. To be absent from the body is to be present with, with Christ. Yeah. That was one of the greatest things, <clears throat> the comforts for me when my mom passed was to be absent from the body. Who can take better her, uh, better care of her than the one who created her? He's got her. I don't have to worry about that. That's done. But I want you to understand, and just so you can just sit there and think about this, this is habitual. I'm not talking about Christians who accidentally lie. I'm not, I don't, it's not even accidentally. They sin. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about consistently, constantly, continually, over and over. They are not believers. Do not be deceived. They are not believers. You should see fruit in believers. No matter why. We are not the people that took the treasure and went mine, because that is selfishness, and that is not what Christ has called us to, right? Does it get exciting? Awesome. I think we're ready for the video.